Hello, Steve McGranahan here at World's Strongest Redneck. Um, I sent all them videos in last time to uh, toolselect.com. They put me on the Facebook, and I've been called everything from an idiot to a genius. But I'd rather be called a genius right now because I am pretty smart. But they sent me a Tool Select bumper sticker, so I guess it's a constellation prize for trying. But uh, I'm going to do one more try because I hate being rejected. I'm going to test a, a ladder for them right now, and hopefully uh, y'all can get the word out again. I appreciate everybody done what they done did. So uh, I'm going to try one more time to be a tool tester for toolselect.com. Tool tester for toolselect.com. Steve McGranahan, world's strongest redneck. Bye. I don't recommend anybody doing that because I just hurt myself. Bye. <laughs> okay, what is one word you would use to describe that? Stupid, Stupid funny, what else? <laughs> Retarded, what'd you say? Redneck, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he's the self the world's strongest redneck here. What, what was that over here? Incredibly funny, yeah, it was very funny. Yeah, you know, it was, right, stupid, like, right, you know, funny redneck, that's what I was going for there. And, but here's the reason I say that, or here's the reason I show that, and there is a reason. Some people seem to think that Christianity is like that, and we have no sense, and we ain't got no smarts, and we're just dumb redneck people that can't possibly believe in or understand science, um, and because that's the way, because they think that Christianity and science um, uh, disagree with each other, okay? Tonight, we're going to talk about science. Now, I'm not a science guy. Science was not one of my good classes, all right? Any science, who you guys are good at science? Okay, good for you guys. Uh I was good at physics. That was the only one I was ever good at. I was terrible at chemistry. I was terrible at biology. But anyways, here's what we're going to do. Tonight we're going to talk a little bit about how science and Christianity intersect and they interact with each other, okay? Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is substance? What is substance? Yeah, substance is something you can feel and touch, right? Okay, so, so you know, if I say this is a substance, that's something I can touch. And evidence is, yeah, evidence is proof, right? So faith includes things that we can touch, and it includes things that we can prove. Faith is not some blind leap in the dark, which is what people seem to think that Christian faith is. Just You're just making stuff up and guessing. No, there's more to it than that. 
so faith is not just that. So this I'm called this message Christianity versus science, but that's kind of not true because they don't really fight against each other. They actually work together. Okay. Uh, anybody heard of Albert Einstein? Right. He's smart. We, right. Okay. Albert Einstein said this. He said science without religion is lame. And that's not like lame. That's like lame isn't it doesn't have a leg to stand on. Okay. Religion without science is blind. So even Albert Einstein knew that uh, that religion or Christianity and science work together. Okay. One, we can't really have one without the other when you really get into it. And so, like I said, when it says lame, that means it doesn't have a leg to stand on. Speaking of which, what do you call a cow with no legs? Ground beef. Okay, thank you. I'm glad somebody knew that one. Right? It's lame. So, we're going to start off talking about evolution. All right? We're going to start off with a little bit on evolution. And uh, Ron Carlson said this. He said, in grammar school, they taught me that a frog becoming a prince was a fairy tale. In college, they taught me that a frog becoming a prince was a fact. Okay? So... With that said, we're going to watch a little video about evolution. Millions of years ago, on a beautiful island, in the middle of a jungle, there was a habitat teeming with life. In a small pool of water, there lived a very happy and loving family of fish. Every day in the life of this family was filled with fun swimming in the warm, clean waters and eating plenty of fresh food. There was never a dull moment for this family. Until one dry season, when the water in their pool began to evaporate. Day by day, the water withered, and there was no sign of rain in the sky. The family was scared and panicky, as they knew that the ultimate end of their species was upon them. Just when all hope was lost, a young, healthy fish cried out for their attention. They looked over at him and saw something they had never seen before. For this fish had the genes to grow legs and walk on land. No longer would he be bound by the water, limited by its shrinking state. He was going to walk on land. And as he took his first few heroic steps on dry ground and his first breath of air, he suffocated. But luckily, there was another fish with legs, who also had the genes to breathe out of water. He then turned around to wave goodbye to his dying family when he was burned to death by the scorching sun. Yet another fish came along with legs and lungs, and the scales on his back were tough as stone, which no sun could scorch. He traversed the land determined to survive, but his weak eyes failed him, and he fell down a hole and died. Another fish came, who was lucky enough to have been born with all the previous fish's genes. Plus, he had a gene that gave him perfect vision. He used his superior sight to find food, but no food existed on land that could be digested by his stomach. And so he starved to death. The next fish stepped up with an advantage over the others. He had a stomach fit for land food. One day, as he grazed on the fresh food, he fell victim to a larger, more fit land animal who made a meal out of him. The fish after that, along with all the previous genes, was endowed with a gene to make him larger and less eatable. 
He used his size to climb his way to the top of the food chain, where he lived for a long time. He lived life to the fullest and grew old. He had been naturally selected over all of his lesser fit brothers to survive, but without a mate to help pass his genes on, the fate of his species came to an end as he lay on the ground waiting for the maggots to decompose his filthy remains. Will not another fish come and save this species? Yes! Just then, a better fish than all who preceded him came equipped with so many genes that there was nothing on dry land that could bring him down. Plus, he had a wife. So he and his wife bore children and lived for a long time. When finally, the rain began to pour again. The fish was so excited, he gathered all his children and wife and jumped into a pool where they all drowned. All right, so let's ask the question, is evolution true? Yes and no. It actually is a little bit true. And here's, here's what I mean, okay? There's two types of evolution, okay? Microevolution is true. Microevolution is changes that occur within the same species. See, we are all the same species, and yet there have been obvious evolutions in our history you know, as far as skin color, hair color, you know, certain certain uh, ethnicities are taller naturally, shorter naturally, those kind of things, okay? Um, so even though we're all the same species, we're all technically the same race, there has been obvious evolution within our species. Wes, we've got microevolution up there, if you'll give me that. The definition is up there, right? So that's changes that occur within the same species. The other type of evolution is macroevolution. This is the transition of one species into another different species. That's what Charles Darwin wrote about. And so this is not true. There's no scientific evidence for macroevolution. That's what that video is about. It's about Darwinian macroevolution, okay? There's no evidence that it ever happened naturally, and scientists have tried to make it happen like in a lab and by breeding and stuff, and it never works. The animals do not survive. They cannot survive when you try and turn one animal into another. It doesn't work. Yes. Right. Two that's why two different types of species cannot breed together. You're correct. Yeah. does not work. That's weird. So hang on. Okay. So let's move on. Let's move on. Um, so, and, and part of the reason that that doesn't work is because if you go back to the beginning and think, okay, if species can turn into other species, that means at some point there was no species, and, and, and it requires spontaneous life to come from non-living chemicals to turn into a living thing, which is not possible. Now, there's some math. Some smart people did it. I didn't do it. But the chance of even a single cell coming together by chance, is 1 in 10 to the 40,000th power. Right. So 10 and then 40,000 zeros after that. Okay? So 1 in that is the chances of it happening. Now, some atheists would say that 
the longer the earth has been around, the more chance there would be, right? More time equals more opportunities, okay? Four things for that, for that one in 40 chance to happen. But I want to show you something, okay? There's something called the second law of thermodynamics, which basically means that things go from order to chaos Hang on, have a seat. And not from chaos to order, right? Things naturally go from, from, okay, that's fine. Things naturally go from order to disorder, order to chaos. I'm going to use this as an example. I have here a little red glitter, and y'all know I hate glitter. So the fact that I'm even doing this is weird, but um, glitter's the worst because it never goes away. This stuff will be in the carpet for a year. But... So we're going to throw some red glitter in there, okay. I should have taken it off the top. Hang on. I know. I'm trying not to. I hate glitter. Here we go. So we're going to drop some red glitter in there, right? Whoop, there it goes. It's spilling. Okay, that's fine. So we got a little bit of red, and we're going to take a little bit of white. Okay. We got some red. We got some white. America. Okay. A little white. And then we're going to take some blue. I know. It's stuck in the thing. Red, some white, and some blue. Okay. Now, we're gonna, we got some red, some white, and some blue in here. Now, what would happen if I were to pour this out? What are the chances that like if I were to pour this onto a piece of paper, what are the chances that an American flag would show up on the paper? Infinitesimally small chances, right? Okay. Like that it would be in the picture of a flag, yeah. So not, not very big chance, right? Now, atheists would say that the more time the more chances. So we're going to call our time, we'll call each shake, we're going to call 10 years. So now what are the chances? Even smaller, right? Right? The more we shake it, the more mixed up they get. It's not going into more order. It's going into less order. That is what entropy means. That's the second law of thermodynamics. So here's the thing. The longer things have, the more it becomes chaos, not order. So the idea that more time would allow that single cell, one in 10 to the 40,000th power, to come together. Doesn't really make sense because that's not the way the world works. Things don't go from order to more order. They go from order to disorder. So that is not likely to happen. Now, let's move on to astronomy, okay? We're going to talk about stars a little bit and the atmosphere and those kind of things. All right? So, um, Psalms 19.1 says... The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Okay? So the heavens actually declare who God is. I think that's pretty cool. And we have another video that's going to help illustrate that too. Science has just brought us the largest star they found. It's called, are you ready for this, Canis Majoris. Now, I'm no linguist, but that's a cool name for the biggest star we've found so far. I think that means the big dog star, and that's exactly what it is. I bring it to you as a little bitty purple, you know, glow just to the right of center there. But Canis Majoris, oh wow, if the earth were a golf ball, 
Canis Majoris would be the height of Mount Everest. Almost six miles above sea level, the highest point on the planet, and I just dare you to get up there and unzip the parka and pull out your golf ball. You could fit seven quadrillion Earths inside Canis Majoris. That's enough Earths if the Earth were a golf ball to cover the entire state of Texas in golf balls 22 inches deep. You see the one you're on? Maybe this will help a little bit more. This absolutely blew my mind. Just a little journey through our solar system. Everyone knows our planets and sort of how we fit in to the story here. You see really quickly that we're not even the biggest deal in our own solar system, but as Earth comes by, you have to know tonight that we are living on a privileged planet. Anyone would tell you we're living at one of the most special places, if not the most special place in all of creation. But Neptune comes by and Saturn and then Jupiter and you're like, okay, we're not all that big, even in our own little cul-de-sac. I just noticed the blue dot fading away is not the Earth. That's Neptune. The Earth has gotten too small to see anymore. Sirius comes by. Little plug for satellite radio. Not the biggest star, but the brightest star that we have found so far. Pollux, which we didn't mention. Arcturus. Such a beautifully named one, Regal. But then the one that messed me up. Our third star, Musifi. Musifi's cousin, W. Sifi. And do you know that you couldn't come up here right now with a Sharpie and make a mark on the screen that would approximate the size of our sun? You couldn't even do it. So, yeah. Anybody who can, who can see science and see how big and crazy the universe is and think that it was an accident, I, I, I don't get it. I don't get how you can think that happened accidentally. Here's, here's the thing. Um, there is also some astronomic evidence on our Earth for a creator, okay? I'm going to give you four reasons why life is possible that cannot be an accident, okay? First things first, oxygen is 21% of the Earth's atmosphere. 21% of our atmosphere is oxygen. If it was 25%, fires would just erupt spontaneously. And if it was... 15%, we would all suffocate. We couldn't breathe. 
So the fact that it's the perfect amount between those two tells me that, could, that there's, there's no way that's an accident. Here, let's keep moving. If the atmosphere were just a little bit more transparent, we would be bombarded with solar radiation, right? We'd be sunburned all the time. It'd be bad. If it were less transparent, we would not have enough sunlight for life to survive, okay? So the atmosphere is the perfect level of transparency for us to survive. Carbon dioxide. If the carbon dioxide on Earth were a little bit higher, we would all burn up. If we're a little bit lower, plants wouldn't survive, and therefore neither would we. So, okay, again, just a little bit of a difference. This one's crazy. Gravity. If the Earth's gravitational force were altered by 0.1.1701%, that little bit of an alteration in gravity, 17 zeros, that little percent, our sun would not exist, and therefore neither would we. That's, that is four of just 122 facts like that, okay? There's 122 of those facts that make it where if it was just a little bit one way or the other, okay, if the earth was tilted just a little bit more, if we were a little bit further away from the sun, a little bit closer to the sun, we could not survive. And yet all these 122 things are true so that we can survive. That's not an accident, guys. It cannot be an accident, okay? Anybody watch the blood moon last week? A bunch of y'all did? It's cool, right? Wes, put that picture up. This was taken over Dallas. Uh, it's a time lapse of the blood moon over the course of the night um, over, the, over the city of Dallas. And it's a pretty cool picture. But uh, um, I was thinking about that. Yeah, they put all the pictures all at once. That's what time lapse is. Yeah, yeah. So um, when people, people watch the blood moon, and, man, if you Google blood moon, Google real blood moon pictures because there's a bunch of really photoshopped ones. But, like, if you Google pictures of the blood moon, it's just crazy. And when people watch that and say, well, that's just science. I can explain all that. That's true. There is science to explain it. We know the earth, you know, like we know how an eclipse works, and it is science. But the beauty of these things and the way life is put together that we can survive, I don't know how you can say it's an accident. It, it, it screams creator and designer, okay? Now, one more thing. I want to talk biology a little bit, and this is where we're going to close again. I was not good at biology, but, um, but the Bible talks about biology. In Psalm 139, it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Okay? My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to me. That's the psalmist talking to God, saying, You created me. Last week, we talked about how we know the Bible is true. We can trust it. Um, and if you missed that, you can listen to the podcast. It's on iTunes. You can Google Chosen Gen Youth. It'll, it'll come up. Um, and, and, and if the Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that means God took time. He took care. I mean, he didn't just throw some stuff together, right? He Whatever. Good luck. No. He, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Y'all, DNA is crazy. Y'all know DNA is crazy. Um, and some people will use research and say, well, our D DNA is pretty close to that of like a chimpanzee. Um, and you know what? It, it, in, in one perspective, it kind of is close. Um, you know, some say that it's only a 4% difference. Um, some say it's even a smaller difference. But here's the thing. Everything that's living on the earth has a lot of similar DNA. That's why we can all survive. Right, because if we had, if it was too different, one of us could survive, the other wouldn't. So we have to have some similarities. 
if if there's only a 1.23% difference between you and a chimpanzee, okay, we're going to use that number for the, the purposes of this, okay? If there was only a 1.23% difference, that equals 125 million differences in our DNA. That's how complicated DNA is, that 125 million differences is still only 1.23% of the, of the things that there are that DNA does, okay? So... So that's a lot of differences between you and a chimp, right? Because it's like this. If I was walking along the beach, okay, and I saw in the ground, it said Mike loves Tina, and it was like a heart around it, you know, would you say, I bet you, I bet you the ocean made that? <laughs> it was an accident. The ocean and the wind and the sand naturally formed that. What would you say? You say, apparently, Mike and Tina were here, right? <laughs> like, we would assume that people did that, okay? You guys, design implies a designer, guys. Design implies a designer. We've got one more video, and this was narrated by Morgan Freeman, so you know it's good. Hit, hit it, Wes. Over three centuries ago, Antony van Leeuwenhoek perfected the early microscope and used it to study droplets from the waterways of Holland. Students today make their own discoveries. Imagine the moment when Van Leeuwenhoek peered through his more powerful instrument and discovered a living kingdom in a drop of water. This busy world of single-celled paramecia is only one millimeter across, three pounds of tin smaller than a meter. The microscope allows us to continue our journey into the realm of the very small. As we move into the cell nucleus, each new ring now reveals a world ten times smaller in diameter than the last. Deep within the nucleus, we come upon truly remarkable constructions, long, spiraling molecules of DNA. DNA holds the chemical codes for the reproduction of most organisms on the planet, whether they're paramecia, people, or petunias. Voyaging on, we see that molecules are made of even smaller parts called atoms. The tiny world of the carbon atom is very strange indeed. Its six electrons seem to swarm everywhere at once. Now our voyage takes us through a void that appears as vast as the space between the stars. Ahead lies the atomic nucleus, so fantastically small that if the whole atom were the size of this theater, its nucleus would be like a speck of dust. Yet the nucleus contains almost all of the atom's mass, packed into particles called protons and neutrons. 
these, in turn, are made of still smaller, mysterious things called forks. Exploring this, the inner frontier of the universe, physicists wonder if forks might contain even tinier building blocks of matter. Yeah, they'll teach you that in science, right? You learn that in biology. Yeah. Right? We you know, we're made up of we're made up of millions and millions and millions of cells which inside of them have the parts of the cell and atoms and DNA and like that's insane. That's ridiculous. How complex are we? That's why it says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. When God took care of making us, that's what he was doing. It's complicated. Richard Dawkins, he's a real famous atheist. He likes to argue with Christians. He said this, biology is the study of complicated things that give the appearance of being designed for a purpose. So even the atheist is going, well, it sure looks like we were made on purpose, but I still think it's an accident. That's like me going, well, it sure looks like the sun's out, but I say it's nighttime, right? That's what he's doing here. He's, like, he's seeing and admitting what he's seeing, but then denying it. That's what Richard Dawkins says in that quote. See, here's, and here's where I want to I close, and we're almost done. It's 8 o'clock. We were designed for a purpose. You were designed for a purpose. That same God that made those humongous stars that are thousands of times bigger than our solar system, let alone our Earth or this, you know, I mean, that God with that kind of power took the time to create you on purpose. He didn't make you like all the other animals. He didn't make us like a monkey or a lion or a plant or anything like that. They've all got DNA. God made them all, okay? But, but he designed us in his image, it says in, in Genesis. God said, I'm going to make man in my own image. So not only did he design us, he designed us to look like him, and then he gave us good works to do. And the New Testament talks about that. See, God made sure that we have the conditions not only to survive, because that's one thing, but also he gave us natural abilities, and he gave us certain tendencies and things to have relationship with him and to accomplish the good work that he created for us. That is so cool. That yes, you know what, science does point to a creator. But I can create an Etch-a-Sketch. The Etch-a-Sketch isn't going to do anything. You know, I can draw. I can't draw well. But I can draw a stick figure. wouldn't be complicated. I can't give that stick figure a purpose, right? But God made us with a purpose. He didn't just create something. He created us for a reason. And he created us with a plan. And so it's so easy to just live outside that plan, right? It's so easy to just kind of go through life like not life is meaningless and, and, you know, whatever. I'm just here on accident, and so I'm going to live on accident, and, uh, and I'm going to die on accident and whatever. Not like die on accident, but you know what I mean. Without a purpose. Like, I'm, you know. But when we realize how much care God put into making us, into creating this planet for us to live on, that it's that should give you a sense of purpose. And so that's where I want to close tonight is, is with this. Live on purpose. Don't live accidentally, guys. You know, it's it's easy to live accidentally. And by accident, living accidentally, I mean, you know, just kind of going through life, not worrying about just whatever kind of 
I'm going to live my life. It's not going to affect anybody. and Nobody's going to affect me and whatever, yada, yada, yada. But no, God designed you on purpose, so let's live on purpose. Let's make decisions that are going to affect people in a good way, in a positive way. Let's make decisions that people are going to remember how we love them and how we cared about them and how we chose to invite them to church or to tell them about Jesus or to show just to love them in some small way, whatever it may be. Let's do that, guys. There's so many people out there that need to see that they have a purpose. So many people think they don't have a purpose. Right? And maybe you don't know what it is just yet, but, but there is one. You're designed for one. Let's pray. It's after 8 o'clock, and I know um, they're probably about done down there. So we'll pray and we'll end. But I want you to, to think about that as, as this week goes on. I want that to be the thing that's in your mind is let me live on purpose. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these students. God, I thank you for each one that's here. Um, God, I pray that you would remind us daily, God, of how the majesty of your creation. Lord, you did not make anything on accident. You did not make anyone on accident. God, you took time and, and you cared about each one of us and the way that we would be able to uh, affect those around us. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that uh, we would be reminded of that throughout our day. Lord, that we would be reminded of, of who you are in our lives. God, I pray that you would um, just let us be a light to those around us. Let the people around us see the way we live life on purpose. And let that be something that causes them to ask questions, God. Knowledge is cool and knowledge is good. But Lord, even more than that, living on purpose is what you've designed us for. And so, God, I pray that that would be what happens, Lord, that that would be the way we live our lives. I pray that you would um, use us to affect the people around us, God, and that you would draw people unto yourself because of it, God. We love you, and we thank you, God, for who you are and how you love us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.